Good morning, Whitlock High. Victor here. Wow, my grandma used to tell me I had a face for radio, which at first hurt. But now, <laughs> look where I am. Who's laughing now, grandma? Now that I think about it, probably my grandma, because she loved to laugh. Okay, well, I'm gonna let your host take it away. And remember, grab the day by the horns. Hello, Eddie here. And I'm Sari, and welcome back to AP Bio, the podcast. You guys, we made it! We're finally talking about season three. Eddie, I still remember showing up on our first day on the Universal lot to shoot the season. Yeah, I actually remember when I found out we would be moving on from CBS Radford, um, the lot that we shot season one and two at, I was a little sad because... That rot was like our little bubble of AP Bio, and I love that lot so much. But the first day we got to the Universal lot, I was like, oh, this is the big leagues. This is awesome. <laughs> yes, I remember walking on the lot and feeling like, wow, we've we've made it. Um, and it was just such a surreal moment because I remember, I mean, growing up in LA, I would go to Universal Studios all the time. And I, I went on the tram ride, of course, and seeing the stages on the tram ride, I remember as a kid thinking, wow, wouldn't it be so cool to actually shoot something here? Like that was such a goal. And then cut to present day and we're shooting on the lot. And it was just like such a full circle moment. I, I could, it was just so cool. And then speaking of the lot, like it is so big. Um, I remember on a break, a partner and I just decided to explore and we walked from our set all the way to the amusement park. And it was just so fun. There are so many sets. Um, it's just a really great experience to just get to walk around there. Yeah. And I remember my friends actually went to the amusement park one day and they took the back lot tour on the tram and I actually saw them. I was able to run out from our soundstage and wave to them um, while they were on the tram. And that was a surreal moment to be like, wow, I'm working at the universal lot and there are my friends. I remember that. And that was really, really cool. But there were so many changes going into the new season. I mean, we had some fantastic new crew members and new designers. And it was just, it was so great because we got to meet new people and we got to expand our AP Bio family. And even though there was a lot to take in, I feel like as soon as we got back to shooting this awesome episode that we're about to talk about, it's like we never left. All right, everybody. Go ahead and start to shut your mouth. Begin to shut up. All right, everybody, start to shut up. Warning! The following does contain spoilers. If you haven't watched yet, immediately pause this podcast, take out your AirPods, and watch episode 301 on Peacock Streaming now. Yes! Tiny Problems. Written by Donnick Carey and directed by Oz Rodriguez. What a way to kick off this season, seriously. So to quickly summarize, you guys, in this episode, Helen joins Jack Griffin's class and in true AP Bio student fashion is pulled into one of Jack's schemes to get revenge on a doll shop owner. Jack and Anthony plant a glitter bomb in the shop while using Helen as a distraction. And while Helen is away, Durbin and the teachers have to deal with all the chaos that ensues in Helen's office. And they learn just how much they need Helen to keep Whitlock High up and running. So what do you remember about filming this episode? Well, my week was defined by glitter. (laughs) I had, you know, we filmed early on that scene in the classroom where I have 
my glitter multimedia project on my desk. And I remember one of our incredible um, makeup artists came up to me and said, glitter is like herpes. It's everywhere. (laughs) It never goes away. Um, And I mean, up until the last day of filming, I was finding glitter everywhere in my trailer, on my clothes and my hair. It was, it was kind of crazy, but it was really fun to like have that moment. And, um, I thought the, the crew was just so great in between takes when like I had glitter all over my hands and all over my desk and they would just scrub it off and get ready for the next scene. And I remember our director, Oz Rodriguez, he was, um, he was very adamant that there would be a lot of glitter. Um, so it was really fun to do that. Um, even though we, um, saw the ramifications of it for the next, um, two months, Anywhere you were, there was a trail of glitter. And wasn't it so fun to have Paula um, in our classroom for a while? Yes. Oh, my gosh. To have Paula Pell, um, the queen of comedy, in our scenes and just watching her work was insane. Her improv take after take, like, we could barely hold it together. I remember seeing your face and, like, Aparna's and Allison's and and Jacobs and we were bursting trying not to laugh because she is just so funny and she kept she had this gag where she had to run into the skeleton and she had to keep doing it over and over and and there was some sort of malfunction with the skeleton so Oz had to come out and like resituate the skeleton it was just such a fun scene and and even though we weren't really we were just sitting there we were just like watching her that was the best part because we get to learn from such an incredible talent it was so fun. And speaking of Oz, it was so great to work with Oz Rodriguez again. Oz directed our pilot, um, and he directed several episodes in season one, and then he blew up and was so busy while we filmed season two. So we, we got to work with him for four different episodes this season, and having his energy, especially since he was you know, such an instrumental part of, of discovering the look and feel and tone of the show was awesome i love that man and it it was great to be reunited with him um it felt like a a little bit of a homecoming in in that retrospect and and another thing i think we should tell people about is the block system that we shot in do you want to tell people sort of the differences between how we used to shoot things and how we shot things now you're right i totally forgot about that so for the first two seasons we actually would shoot You know, we would shoot for one week and it would just be shooting that one episode. Um, Monday through Friday, we would shoot episode 101 and then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then for this season, it was not like that. We actually shot in block increments. So we would shoot two episodes for nine days. And it was a little bit confusing at first because we would go back and forth in between episodes. So like, for example, on Monday, we would shoot scenes from the first episode of season three, but also the second episode of season three. So you kind of had to get your bearings and and remember, wait, which scene are we shooting and what episode and what's happening here? Um, but the director, especially Oz, like he was so great of, of keeping us all on track. And before we start a scene, he actually tells us like, Hey, giving us a little more context, like just remember in the script, this is what just happened. Um, so it was a lot of fun. It, it kept you on your toes, which was cool. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure about it at first, but I definitely think we adjusted to it and we got used to like having to just switch gears sometimes within the same day. Um, 
but it was a good challenge. And I think, again, it just expanded our own sort of knowledge of how things are done on set. So I think it was a great learning experience to do things that way. Since this episode is so jam-packed, we have not one, not two, but three guests joining us today. Hey, the rule of comedy is that everything comes in three. Please welcome Mary Sohn, Lyric Lewis, and Jean Villapique. Hello, ladies! Hey, guys! They're no! all here! The trifecta! Woo! And I know the three of you are so busy and live extraordinary lives, but thank you for making time for us. I'm so busy. I know that the Trinity <laughs> stays busy, but um, we are glad that we were able to be here as well all together. Before we get into all of that stuff, we did sort of want to do a check-in with all of you because the world is so different from the last time we saw you back in March. So we just wanted to see how you're doing with all the changes and all the madness in the world. Well, as Sari's mom. Um... <laughs> mom! <laughs> For the listeners that may, might be trying to piece this together, I call I call Mary my mom on set. I'm sorry, but I think we have similar features, not just because we're Asian, just because. Y'all do. Y'all we do. Right? We do. Mary Sari. Um, you know what? It's It's been okay. I know it's been really hard on a lot of other folks. Um, one thing that's really been helping is um, I've just like been volunteering once a week, and I think that is like super grounding. Mm. Um, but also, I uh, got a guitar. <laughs> and that, Ooh, that look at four you. Chords, so. Four more than me. What kind of guitar did you get? But it's just like a Fender that's not very expensive at all. It's just an acoustic. You'll have to play for us sometime. Oh, okay. Wow. It might take a while. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what about you, Jean? How have you been holding up? Um, we're fine. We have everything we need. And luckily, our families are all healthy and safe. Um, and uh, we have our son is uh, one and a half. So this has been the third of his life and uh, taking turns. Um, it's really intense parenting right now. And it's really rewarding, but it's super exhausting. So we go to bed at nine. We wake up at six. Um, we weren't able to get to protests and stuff because of health factors and Bruce can't kind of sit still and we didn't want to, we wanted to be social distancing. So we've been doing, you know, donating and this is uh, such a uh, pivotal time historically. And I especially don't want to tell Bruce that we just like sat here and made macaroni and cheese and made fish with magnet eyes and like it's hard. It's but very wild to have our show come and get so excited and then also realize that the world is not the same. You've been hit with so many things. I mean, processing COVID and then seeing sort of this race crisis in our country. And it's it's just a lot to deal with and to sort that all out. And and again, I think at first it like felt weird to be like excited and promoting something when the world feels so different. But I think I know at least through COVID, it made me even more proud to be an actor because I was like, people are looking to television and film more than ever as an escape. So I think what we do, if we can bring joy to people in this perilous time is really important. What about you, Lyric? How are you holding up? I mean, the, your world is so different. I mean, my world is completely different. I um, literally went in the hospital to have a baby and came out and the world was on lockdown. 
So that's my baby is as old as the quarantine and as the lockdown. Wow. So literally, it's been 23 weeks since we've been locked down and she's 23 weeks old. Um, so yeah. Quarantine baby. Literally, like it's you know, it's and I feel like I wanted to like scoop so much of the words out of Jean's mouth because I mean, she's true. It's been, it's interesting because like my doctor asked me, she's like, you know, how do you feel having a newborn? And I'm like, girl, I don't even know. Cause I'm like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. You know, I don't know if I'm, you know, crying over the loss of my body or the fact that I can't go to Target without feeling safe. Like, and it's such a weird time that they're like, you know, do you feel like you're processing okay? And I'm like, I don't know. Cause I'm like, I have no idea like even normally how you feel, I guess, after having a baby and let alone, like I said, all of a sudden the world being on fire. Um, but I feel like I've we've been holding up pretty well. Like it on one hand has been kind of nice to just kind of hunker down with her and to selfishly kind of have her to myself and, you know, not have to share. And like, I feel like I'm literally getting to see every moment of her. Like, I feel like, and I feel like the Lord, he, he already knew because I feel like I was like, ow, I'm about to have this baby. <laughs> I'm about to be ready, snap it back, be it. not in the streets, but you know what I mean? Like, ooh, I'm about to like go back to work, be auditioning, just like do the most. And I really feel like I was like, oh, no, you're not. You're about to be with your child mm-hmm. and, you know, reground yourself on what's important and the abundance that you have around you and not the superficial shit that we thought like, was I sad at first that I couldn't go sit outside at a coffee shop and meet friends? Yes. But I'm also like, there's, you know, so many other things to be grateful for. And when all that comes back, we'll appreciate it so much more than we took it for granted. When we, like, when we last, like, I literally, the last day I was at work, like, was days before I had her. And I'm like, we took it for granted seeing each other and just yeah. all that casual interaction and like people leaving for the day, like, so it's so it's been it's been good, but it has been hard. And when you know everything was happening, we wanted to protest too. And of course, she was tiny, and so you know there was no way that we could go out at all with her. Um, but to watch it, and I you know went to junior high and high school in St. Paul, Minnesota, so where everything started. My brother and my wow. sisters and my mother so there. So watching it start there, even before the rest of the country, was hard in itself because I'm like, you know. So it was tough, but also in an interesting way, I felt like, and I think having a baby and like looking at a little innocent human, while all this is just the position of all that's going on really made me, I don't know, I feel like excited to be able to show her and tell her about what she in a weird way was a part of one day. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you were born a year of like this huge revolution happening in the country. And like, so... So that's been cool. So I've been oh. trying to do that. I haven't made any sourdough bread, but. Oh. <laughs> Lyric. You're letting us down. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Me neither. I haven't made any at all. Oh, but that's so beautiful. Oh, thank you for sharing that. But yeah, I'm so glad to hear that you guys are hanging in there and, and staying safe and get, getting to spend so much time with your family, especially as you guys as moms and. Yeah, so much has happened since lockdown, and obviously things aren't going to go back to normal. We we have a new normal, and my hope is that this whole experience and time of growth and learning really opens the world's eyes to make it a better place. 
I completely agree. And just to pivot a little bit, y'all are some of the best improvisers I've ever seen, hands down. I mean, we saw you on, we see you on set and you're amazing. And then when Sari and I and our castmates saw you in the UCB AP bio show, we were like, game over. They are beyond. Um, So we wanted to just hear a little more about your comedy background or sort of what drew you to comedy in the first place, because y'all are some of the best in the game period. But yeah, I, um, Oh, I'll nutshell it. Um, I, uh, was acting like when I was a kid, I was the kid that did like summer theater camp. That was me, um, in new Orleans where I'm originally from. And then I did theater and stuff like that all through high school. And I went to Syracuse for theater And there's where, kind of earlier, but like I grew up like watching like Mad TV and Living Color. I feel like I was always like the inappropriate one. My mom always let me watch like Harlem Nights, like things that I probably should not have been watching as a child. And so I feel like I, at a young age, got like this very like, just kind of that kind of comedy bug in me. I just was like, I really always enjoyed making people laugh and like, just kind of doing that. And so um, I felt like it made me very nerdy, but when I was in college, I just, I, and I watched scary movie every weekend, which is a weird fact about me. But um, so I really love um, scary movie, like all of it. I know every line I can do it like verbatim that in Jurassic Park, we won't talk about that. So um, then I was started doing research and I feel like everyone that I admired, um, especially women, um, like I love like Jennifer Coolidge and people like that. Um, but I was like, um, oh, they're all groundlings. And so I knew I wanted to move to LA anyway, cause I was tired of the cold. And um, I just went and auditioned um, and I started the program at the groundlings and I got into the main company in 2016. And I've been in the main company ever since. Yes. And I do. I'm so glad you said that because um, I read this article that the L.A. Times, sure, you read it about sort of just the systemic problems and some of these okay. comedy organizations. And you were mentioned in it as you broke, I guess, this 10 year white streak when you were in the Sunday company at Groundlings. Is that true? Yeah, I broke. Um, basically, when I got into the main company in 2016, no one of color or at all, or that was black, had been voted into the main company since 2000. That's well, crazy. thank you for being a trailblazer. That's, that's incredible. That's... I was about to say, I, was, I actually got to see one of your shows. Amazing. I was howling, like crying. I brought my, me and my friend were just crying in the audience. Um, and it was just so cool to be like, I know her. I work with her. <laughs> um, so, yeah. What about you, Mary? How did, how did you fall in love with um, making us laugh? Sorry, but I just got to give a quick mirror shout out to y'all. Like you two are so special and it shows on screen. But also even in this interview, it means so much to hear these words from the two of you guys. Just need to say that. Um, To answer your question, how was I drawn to this? Um, I came from a really white town. I grew up in like central Illinois. Okay, great. Um, And I think like as a defense mechanism of being like the only other, I think I just started to be like humor is a way to like protect myself. And so I think that was just a way. And also it's the way my family communicates, like clowning on each other. Teasing is such a love language that I think that really goes hand in hand with comedy. (laughs) When um, then I started like taking classes at the second city when I was in Chicago and uh, yeah, like kind of grew up in that improv comedy scene there. And 
Yeah. Amazing. And the rest is history. Now you're prime time. Um, <laughs> and what about Eugene? Oh, actually, this kid, Vinny Donofrino, I'm from New Jersey, a lot of Italian kids in my neighborhood. Vinny Donofrino had this, this tape, cassette tape of Eddie Murphy Raw, or whatever the first Eddie Murphy was. I think Raw is the second one. Anyway, and he was like, listen to this tape. And I remember getting my little boombox in my room and listening to it because it's so many swears. I think I was in fourth grade or something. And I was just like, I didn't even know what stand-up was, but I memorized every word. I was like, this person, he blew my mind. So then when we got a VCR, I recorded every Saturday Night Live and I just was in love with Eddie Murphy. I, uh, Buckwheat, when Buckwheat got shot, that was a huge um, episode. I watched it a million times. So then I did like theater in high school and a little kind of like my my theater director in or teacher in high school had us do Commedia dell'arte she was really awesome it was a very small town and I'm lucky I that we had arts in our school and um a theater class but we did like sort of improv there and then in college I uh auditioned and did some improv and then um I went to school near Second City in Chicago and then I went friends of mine who were from Illinois were like you have to go see Second City and I didn't know it was a job or that I didn't really know what improv was it was before the internet we had a toaster though that was our technology no um and I went to go see the show and Stephen Colbert and Steve Carell were in the cast I mean it was I was just like watching these geniuses on the stage and I had just thought like I want to be in Phantom of the Opera like I didn't really know what being an actor what the life was going to be and then I was like this is this is what I want to do I want to, they did sketch comedy and there was an improv set after. And then I just kept doing improv. I stayed in Chicago a long time. And, and to, we're able to improvise some on the show and to work with other improvisers. You have this, um, this, this language that you speak that's very playful and supportive already. So when you know someone that has studied improv, to, know, to get to work with Mary and Lyric, it's like, we already know all the moves. So we get to hit the ground running and... Uh, support each other and enjoy each other instead of a competitive comedy thing where it's like, oh, you're funny. Well, I'm going to be funny too. It's like, let, there's plenty for everybody. And every, these, these ladies are brilliant. We're really lucky. This warms my heart so much. I mean, it is so clear. Like you. you guys have such a chemistry and such a strong friendship and it, it just shows on camera. So before we jump back into the interview with the girls, we'd like to introduce a new segment Double duty. Everyone on this show is extremely multi-talented, and we thought it'd be fun to highlight those people who wear two hats on the production. So first up, we've got Hadia Robinson, a talented writer in the writer's room who also was cast as Mrs. Baxter in episode 301. Let's hear from Hadia. Hey, Hadia Robinson here, stand-up comedian, writer on AP Bio. I've been doing comedy for upwards of 10 years. I feel like after 10 years, don't mention the number no more. It just, it's pointless. Um, let's see. I started in New York City, and I think if you ask most comedians how they started, they'll tell you the exact same sequence. People thought I was funny. I got drunk. I got on stage. That is exactly how I started comedy. So, I became a writer on AP Bio um, after I actually met Michael, Brian, showrunner and creator of the show. We were both on the same stand-up show. It was random, like back of a random spot. It's a nice little spot, but like just the back of a bar performing 
He was mad cool. I performed. I ripped, you know. <laughs> um, he just came up to me and was like, hey, you're very funny. Have you thought about writing? I was like, absolutely. What's up? I mean, I wasn't that casual, but basically the gist of it was like, yeah. And we exchanged Instagram information and I sent in a sample. And then he hit me up and said they had room on the show for me. And I was super excited. So the way I got the guest role on episode 301 is we were having the table read with the actual actors and it was just one line. So they handed me the script and I'm full butterflies because I'm sitting across from Glenn Howerton. I'm sitting across from Patton Oswalt, Paula Pell, Lyric Lewis. I'm just, what, these are the people on the show. I have my one little line. And I had it highlighted, like, don't mess this up, okay? Like, don't mess it up. And it came to me, and I literally just, it was one line. I just read the line the way I felt like I would do it if I arrived at the school. And here I am, this black parent coming to pick up this white child. And then I would, it was just, it was almost throwing, I just threw it away. And the room fell out laughing, and I was just like, Okay, and I, I maybe had it was maybe two lines. I'm being it was two lines, and then I just threw the line away again, and everybody just it, they laughed. I was like, oh, cool. I mean, when I looked and I saw Glenn Howerton laugh and I saw Paula Pell laugh, I said, oh, okay, I did it right. That's what's up. And then we went back to the room, um, and then Mike. And Shelly came up to me and they were like, would you be interested in playing a role? I was like, hell. I mean, I didn't say hell yeah, but in my head, I might have said hell yeah. And that's how I got my guest role on AP Bio 301. Uh, I'm here for my child. He's right here. That's not my mom. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Your son is fine. Could you take this one and just drop him at the baker's on the way home? That'd be fine. I might throw up in your car. Car? I have a motorcycle. Oh, can I drive? That'd be fine. What? No, 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 no. We'd love to just hear a little bit more about how AP Bio first got on your radar um, and how you guys all met for the first time. And and Mary, you were friends with Mike before all this, um, correct? Yeah, I, I knew him from before. And dang, I just like read the dummy sides for the uh, pilot, like the things that are for those of you who are not in the business, um, you know, the sides that are fake, so they're not giving away the show. And I was like, wow, this show is so special. The writing is so unique. They take the smallest pebble and turn it into the most like giant story. And I always think that a story that's filled with those sorts of details and that sort of specificity is always going to shine. So yeah, that's awesome. was really proud of my friend. Yeah, that's so cool. I want to share a quick story about how I met because Jean, while you were talking, it reminded me it'll come up, but like, it's so funny. Um, well, I, well, I will say with Mary, I read the script and it was that pilot season, the funniest thing that I had read. It actually made me LOL and real, like for real and not just like type it out. And so like right away, I was excited about it. Like everybody involved was super funny and I respected and it like so right away I was just like this is my job like I was like this is my show this is my job these are my people I don't even know who everybody is this is my people but the funny thing is okay so I didn't know Mary or Jean 
before this. And so me and Mary met at like the first mix and match. We were a group together. And we were some lines, like at the same time, we both like laughed and went to like high five, like, ah, and we like high five each other. And then was like, ooh. And I feel like being like, cause I know I was like, where has my improv sister been this whole time? Because I was like, how did I not know her? And we like kind of talked in the bathroom, but I was just like, I love this woman. Who is she? How did I not know her? And then, the other story is, so after the test, don't, and I'm, I wonder if Jean remembers this the way I do. So after the test, me and Mary are walking through the parking garage. Y'all know that parking garage, Seder, the one that is Ooh, awful. Yep. Okay. And I will never forget, I love Jean from the moment she opened her mouth next to me. I mean, I, I remember I had to sit there and not laugh because I was like, this isn't for me. Like, I, but I remember like having to not laugh. And I remember I was like, I'd never, it had been a long time since I felt like I met someone as funny as like naturally in a way that I was like, you know, that fun jealousy that I was like, I can't play it like that. And I was like, she can. And I was just like, who is she? she I never forget. She was sitting on my left. That's how well I remember it that I kept looking. And I was like, who is she? But I couldn't, you know, break it. So then we're in the parking garage and Jean is like, I'm late. I can't find my car. I have an audition in Santa Monica. And I kept being like, you're so funny. The worst <laughs> time to try to like be her friend. <laughs> I never forget because Jean was like, I, like literally on her phone and Jean was like, I can't, I'm late. I, I don't know where my car is. And I was like, God, you're so good though. You had already been cast. They were like, this is Lyric. And I was like, who's this woman there, Lewis? I didn't know you either. And um, we went in to do a mix and match. And I was like, that's who that is. She's already cast. I mean, you were, you were just like confident. You sailed through. I, it was amazing. Our chemistry was so great. I was like, this is going to happen. I feel the magic. Like I was driving my little car, listening to this soundtrack, this movie. I love. I'm like, this is going to happen finally. And then Vanessa Bear got cast. I didn't even, she wasn't even in the mix that I know. And I was like, oh, what? That could happen? Okay. Back to my dishwashing detergent commercial, you know, auditions. And then it ended up, she did not, she shot the pilot with you all. And then she did not move forward with the show. I think she had like a million awesome other jobs. And, um, uh, asked me to come back and, and test again. I was like, sure. And then, um, and then I got cast and I just felt like I won the lottery that day because I already lost it. And then I got it. And then I was a little, I was definitely like, hello, I'm an understudy and excuse me. And you guys had already bonded shooting the pilot, but everyone was like, hi, come here. You're in our family. It was just the most warm and wonderful way to start. Yes. Jane, Michelle is you. I'm a firm believer in what's meant to be will be like you were meant to be a part of the AB bio family. And I also had a similar experience where like I wasn't in the pilot either. I came in second episode and um, I could definitely echo what you said that I was a little like, Oh wow. Everyone already knows each other. Um, and then you guys just like took us in with open arms. Um, and now here we are. And we are just so glad that you ladies are here. Um, we would also love to hear about not only what it's like for the three of you to play on set, but what it's like to act and play with the other adult cast members. I do think that it feels like season three. I don't know about you guys, but it felt like, you know, we didn't think we were coming back. So the fact that we got a season three just felt like the mm -hmm. icing and all the good parts of it. And like we had already fully marinated as characters. So now we just got to like explore that after knowing it so well. But um, one thing is, is I got to spend a little more time with Glenn this year. We all did, but like, um, 
I feel like in past seasons, we didn't have a ton of time. We did often shoot with Patton and he was always so generous. Like every time we would shoot, he'd always want the scene to win and you could really tell. It was really apparent. But with Glenn too, sometimes the just like hangout times right before we're about to shoot, I, it, this year, I just feel like we got to know a lot more about him and his silliness. So now let's segue into this episode, our season premiere. I feel like the prop department really had their work cut out for them because y'all were dealing with some props in this episode. <laughs> um, maybe we could start with you, Lyric. I mean, you were pregnant at this point and you are making some meatballs like it is your job. So what was that like and did it smell? <laughs> it did because it wasn't real meat. And so oh. it had like a weird, like chemically, like a, a weird, nasty smell to it. Like, I don't know if I would have preferred real meat, the smell of actual meat. Cause after a while with that stuff, and then because you knew it was fake, it was extra nasty feeling. Like everything about uh. it was just like, and you're nasty. I should have known that it wasn't real. (laughs) Nothing's real. Um, And then, Gene, you had some interesting props too, girl, um, with your safe sex packets and your interesting package. That whole sequence of you guys in Helen's office, like trying to gain control of it, is was so chaotic and so fun. It was really fun to get to shoot too. Uh, We often shoot in the teachers' lounge, eating melons and hummuses so it was really fun to shoot an action scene and Oz was so great he he's so um he gives us such confidence and I was like when I first met him like okay is this gonna be fine he's like yeah you got like someone who gives you the confidence assumes that you're great gives you great confidence and it was it made that much easier we there was that throwing star bit but we didn't actually do (laughs) I just kind of we didn't actually throw it, but it Mary, looked it looks so, so good. Cool. And, it looks like you caught it. But then you had, it looked like you caught it with the onion, right, Mary? Like, how did that work? Yeah, in front of my face. <laughs> oh my <God. laughs> well, that is truly movie magic, you know? Like, it's all like shooting backwards to forward so that you can then play it uh, like it's going into the onion. And let's hear a little bit more about that scene from Aaron Goffman, our prop master. My name is Aaron Goffman. And I'm the prop master on AP Bio, season three. The main trick to breaking down a script from the props perspective is to isolate the props and list them and then figure out how those props can tell the story by themselves. The throwing star gag was pretty simple. We used a rubber star, but we painted it to look like metal. And then the director made it look like it was flying through different cuts with the camera. Again, I think you said this, Mary, just to be able to come back to the show, like it really did feel like the icing. And I think Sarah and I had this conversation like we're just going to enjoy it because like we we thought it was over and and to get another shot at it and to just enjoy each other's company and to just have fun. I mean, this show is so special and our cast and crew are so special and it really I'm just so excited that we get we got to do it again. <laughs> By the way, you guys, the the students of this show are just every one of you are money in the bank. 
Oh. Holy cow. Every line that comes to you guys. It's so good. Also, Jean said um, at our TCAs, we were talking about like the students and who we've seen kind of develop as people and actors and characters. And Jean, you oh. said Sari and great playing Grace that we've really got to see her become this really baked person and you're really handling those lines. And Eddie, to see you in that premiere, you are a dang star. Thank you for your words. That That is so kind. Um, we love you guys so much, so much. Well, this was beyond amazing. Thank you so much for giving us the, the time out of your day. And it's been so great to catch up with you guys. We miss you. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, guys, this is a part of the show Sari and I are the most excited about. The other students on the show are the cornerstone of our AP Bio family. And we wanted to turn down our own mics and highlight each and every one of them in a segment entitled Roll Call. And we couldn't think of anyone better to start with than Jacob Manown. The assignment, interview yourself with the random questions provided to you. The results, well, let's just say Jacob should learn to turn down a dare. Hi, my name is Jacob Manown, and I play Caleb on AP Bio. Um, I'm not sure where Eddie and Sari are, so I, I think I'm just supposed to ask myself these questions. All right, here we go. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Northern California. My hometown is Tracy. It's a very small town. You can watch the paint dry. Not too much going on. <laughs> what is your favorite lullaby? Um, I can't think of too many off of the top of my head, but there's one that uh, is really, will, will always be stuck in my head. I think it's um, You Are My Sunshine. Yeah, my mom used to sing that when I was young. So that's the only lullaby that has like a, has sentimental value to me. Where were you when you found out you booked AP Bio? That's a funny one. I'm pretty sure I was in my mom's room watching America's Got Talent. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And I remember just like seeing the email and being like, oh, like <laughs> it just shocked me. <laughs> what was your worst audition of all time? Well, I've tried to push those out of my memory at this point. You know, forget the traumatic experiences. But I do remember there was one time um, I had a lot going on in a week and I accidentally swapped two audition scripts. And I just, yeah, I brought, um, I brought the wrong script with me to the audition and I just went in as the wrong character and he stopped me and was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and that one I was, I had to, I had to regain my wits for that. <laughs> Where on your body would you want to get a tattoo? You know, I used to want to get a lot of tattoos when I was younger, but because of acting, I just kind of, you know, I never pursued it, but I think I would probably my arms. I, I, th I think sleeves look really cool. So I would do that if I could. What's the worst nightmare you've ever had? Um, I actually, this is an easy one. It's not even really that scary, but I've had the same dream. And I just, it's so weird. Um, I'm, I'm getting chased by the guy. It's like the screen mask. Um, and he's wearing like all black. And then for some reason, every time in the dream, I like, I'm on a roof and I jump through the top of the roof, which is like glass. And then it's just, the dream ends. And I've had that dream for like the last 10 years. It's just so weird. What song is currently on repeat? Oh, 5050 by Vantage. Oh, that's, that's the song. That's the song that'll make you dance. What was your favorite AP bio scene to shoot? Honestly, there are so many scenes that like have truly made me break and I struggled to just keep it together. But uh, I think one of my favorite ones was uh, in the second season, we broke into the school at night and we were just throwing each other down the hallway in chairs. And that was probably 
I was filled with so much joy on that day. That probably might be number one. What is your favorite type of muffin? Ooh, blueberry. I love me a good blueberry muffin. What do you remember about shooting episode 301 of AP Bio? Man, coming back, coming back to filming, the energy was just so, so different. I mean, everyone had it together, but everyone was so excited. Everyone had so much energy for that week. It was great. On a scale of one to 10, how much are you that bitch? Okay, I can, I think, I think I'm pretty confident in this answer. When I wake up in the mornings, I'm at like a nice six to seven, like I am that bitch, but I don't have the energy I need to, to, to be that bitch, you know? And then I have my coffee and I'm at a cool 12 coasting for the rest of the day. That's, that's how much I am that bitch. What's your biggest flex this week? <laughs> that's really funny. Um, you know what? I have a good one for this one. Um, Marcus, Nick, he and I won a poker tournament this week. Um, I FaceTimed him and we played poker for like six hours and uh, we got in first place. It was pretty crazy, actually. What's the dumbest thing you've ever done on a dare? Wow. Oh, boy. I don't even know if I want to answer that. <laughs> no, I think I definitely... Hmm. An easy one I know I've done is I definitely have done the, uh, the tongue to a cold pole outside where you get your tongue stuck. Like, I know, I just like, I think I, I, maybe I was watching, I was watching some movie and my friend was like, it doesn't work. And he dared me. And, uh, it did. It did work. <laughs> Do you have any other hobbies or projects you want to tell us about right now? Um, lately for me, I mean, always working on music at home. Um, I've been playing a lot of poker and just trying to stay moving during this quarantine. So I think I'm trying to keep my own schedule. Nothing to update too crazy. What is your message for the next generation? Um, use all the energy you have to like, I just, I, there's no point in wasting time. Just use every second you have and go for everything you want to do. Really, really like my best advice. Um, Jacob Manown is my favorite human being on the planet Earth, and you can quote me on that. Yep, can confirm. We love you, Manown. And that's all for this one, folks. Thank you to Mary, Jean, and Lyric for being our special guests on the episode. And thanks to our producer, Kitty Wadsworth, and our sound engineer, Huckabara, for making this episode possible. And thanks to you guys for tuning in. If for some reason you made it through this without watching episode 301, honestly, very impressed. Now go catch up on what we've been talking about by watching the newest season of AP Bio, streaming on Peacock. Oh, and don't forget, you can get some extra credit by subscribing to this podcast. Don't tell Mr. Griffin. See you guys next time, where we'll be taking a deep dive into episode two of season three. We can't wait. Bye.